Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Wellness Matters for Direct Support. This is a podcast developed by the University of Minnesota's Institute on Community Integration, and it's focused on the importance of health, wellness, and self-care for direct support workers. My name is Chet Cheddar, and I'm a National Workforce Consultant, and I'm also a direct support worker. I'm here with my colleague, Mark Olson. My name is uh, Mark Olson, and I also am someone that's provided direct support for many years. I am the co-host of the podcast, and and I'm very glad to welcome um, my colleague Susan O'Neill to the podcast today. And she will introduce the rest of our guests who are going to be talking about RAP and what RAP is. So, Susan, if you'd be so kind as to introduce yourself and then move forward and introduce our guests. Sure. Well, um, as you said, my name is Susan O'Neill. I'm super happy to be here. And I know that you guys invited me because you know I have a long history of being a direct support professional, that I did that work for many years. And even to this day, um, maintain a really close relationship with a fellow I met years ago who used to live with me and, you know, kind of keep my eye on how things are going for him and stay connected to him in a, in a, a real close way to make sure his life is going well. Um, I now write curriculum for direct support professionals and make and direct that here at the Institute. So that's my, that's my role now. Um, but I think you guys invited me here because you wanted to hear about how I use RAP, which is wellness recovery action planning, to kind of help me stay well and um, stay healthy as I go about my caregiving roles and how maybe DSPs could use that as well in their caregiving um, to help themselves stay healthy and well as they manage the many things they have to manage. When you guys invited me to do that, um, and we'll talk more in a little bit about what does RAP actually mean, but um, when you invited me to do that, I really wanted to invite two friends of mine, and I'll just give you a brief um, overview of how I met these folks, and then they'll get a chance to each introduce themselves. Um, but Asia and I, Asia Owens and I, we met at a mental health conference years ago, and um, to be honest, most of our relationship is through Facebook and letters and things like that, but we keep in touch with each other since that day we clicked. Um, I was really impressed with the work I was seeing her do through an organization called Poetry for Personal Power. We've just stayed in touch and I've been, I've been intrigued and excited by all the things I see Asia doing in her community to, um, to keep things going. And I know Self-care is hard to do when you're a busy person like that. So I'm, I, I'm gonna, so I, I just thought she, and she has a rep and she's a rep facilitator. Isn't that right, Asia? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so that's why I invited Asia. Cause I know she's gonna, she's gonna give us a, a really good perspective on um, rap in terms of those kinds of things. And then I, I invited Stan because Stan and I went through rap facilitator training together. He came all the way to Minnesota, even though he's based in California. Stan, after the facilitator training, when you do wrap the proper way, you really have to have at least two facilitators, if not more, to make it work. And um, Stan was looking for some a co-facilitator, and he reached out to me because he wanted to do a, a wrap seminar that was focused, that actually had direct support professionals and um, people receiving services together in a group. Uh, building their wraps together. And I thought, what an awesome idea. Let's let's try this. And this was before COVID and we did it hybrid. And Stan had to manage all that technology and keep the classroom going. And I just got to pop in on video. <laughs> um, but so I was, I thought Stan would be a great person to talk about this today um, with us. 
So with that, um, maybe Asia, you wanna give yourself a little introduction? Hello everybody, my name is Asia Owens. I am a native of St. Louis, Missouri. And as Susan mentioned, uh, we met through a poetry for personal power program that I'm a part of. And, you know, I just wanted to start by saying I'm an artist, I'm a poet, and I've, I joined this program because it, it was a program that intertwined, you know, arts and wellness. And uh, we talk about how everyone goes through adversities, but when we share what we go through, it helps others to know that they can overcome those challenges. And we always talk about like how important it is to find your personal power. You know, like what is that thing that helps you to get through tough times? For me, it's writing, but for someone else, you know, it could be just gardening or something like that. So um, this program has really evolved over the years to uh, now we talk about peer support. We actually work with others um, who are in recovery and um, just kind of help people to come up with a plan to, you know, just accomplish a lot of their life's goals. And so that's where we started to use RAP, RAP plan and wellness recovery action plan to help others to just, again, you know, come up with ways to um, do the daily things that they do and achieve those goals. So I've worked in the community for over 20 years, just doing advocacy and, you know, working, you know, primarily with the youth population in the unhoused community. And um, so these wellness plans have really, really helped so many um, that we've been able to work with. Thank you, Asia. And now let's hear a little bit from Stan. I'd like to hear your introduction. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Susan, for inviting me. Um, as uh, Susan was saying, um, we met uh, at a session in, outside of Minneapolis, and um, rap was something that um, I always wanted to bring to the program, but frankly, it just seemed like an impossible feat. Um, and uh, anyway, we got that done, but I work for a company, Community Integrated Work Program, and we specialize in working with people who have behavioral excesses. These are folks who literally couldn't be in the community unless they're in a program. Um, we even take uh, folks who are in forensic homes. So they come with a variety of issues, but CIWP is known for working with people who have these challenging behaviors. As a matter of fact, we offer uh, services to uh, almost a quarter of the regional centers in California for 24-hour crisis response. Um, so we have a lot of expertise in how to handle challenging behaviors. Uh, the one thing that I always felt was lacking, however, was to be able to teach clients uh, skills that would put them in charge. Um, we still, to some degree, go by an old model where, you know, the professional is correct and we're the one that is administering and telling people what they need to work on, um, even though we do person-centered planning and all of those things. Um, I, I think the area of behavior change is uh, the one place where we haven't done enough in making sure clients are in charge. Uh, it's their life. They know themselves better than anyone. And when I was able to work with Susan, we really brought that home to the clients and staff all in the same room, which I felt was also a, uh, what would you say? It, it, it was exactly the way I wanted this to happen. Because if you believe in rap, you know, we're all equal. We all face uh, similar issues in many respects. And um, I wanted clients to see that. So we took off our other hats while we we're in the room 
we we did an eight session uh, course with them. I don't know if you want more than that right now or. <laughs> that's awesome, Stan. Um, and that's exactly one of the things that so intrigued me about the program and why you wanted to bring RAP because it was the ultimate in um, shaking up the you know the boundaries we have a lot of times that are you know we need healthy boundaries obviously and we need boundaries and roles and things like that but to be able to work equally next to people um who are receiving the services we're delivering is a really powerful um is it just a powerful frame yes i thought so too and as, as i was somewhat preparing for today i was looking over the roster and um to be honest with you, I forgot the exact date that we started, but it's it's been some four years ago, something like that. Um, and all of our clients that were in that class are still here with us, except for one. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the rap had something to, to do with that. that. We really built a community with these guys. We did a couple uh, rap pal sessions afterwards, which I think kind of kept this stuff fresh, but um, yeah. It, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Stan and Susan and uh, Asia. And we're going to get into some questions here shortly that kind of uh, go into you talking a little more in depth about how, what RAP is and, uh, and how it's used and how it works. And um, the first question I'm going to ask is for Susan. And maybe she will use the two of you. I don't know. But it's really just simply explain what is RAP? And I really think it's important that we give credit where credit is due. So the um, I'm going to just spend like two minutes kind of making sure some of the key and most important things about RAP are happening, including making sure that folks know there are some reputable places to check in on RAP. And I know you guys will have links uh, near this podcast to help people get there. But um, you always want to go to the source. So there's two places that you should think about. One is the Copeland Center and the other is the Advocates for Human Potential. They carry all the books that are sanctioned by RAP. Um, I do want to make sure that people realize RAP has a huge and rich history. Um, it comes out of the mental health area and um, it really is about empowerment, self-direction. It was developed by folks um, led by Mary Ellen Copeland, but developed by a number of folks who uh, had been basically told that they were lucky to, you know, take their meds and stay in their homes and, and receive the help that they were going to have. They wanted more for their lives, and they... Um, got together and started to figure out how that could be. And so the rap history is a rich one. It has a real powerful, um, powerful base to it. And it, it comes from that peer model. And we heard Stan talk about like that peer and Asia talk about peers. It's about people helping people with unconditional positive regard. And it is, it's, it's incredibly powerful, the process of a rep, developing a rep and being in that kind of co community with people, um, then working your rep can be quite, quite powerful too. So it's been used out, outside of the mental health community. It's moved into a lot of different communities now. And um, caregivers is a, is a major place because caregiver wellness is always at risk because you're doing a lot. And so a rep can be a great way to organize um, how, how you are going to come together and keep yourself healthy in the world. Person-centered, person-directed, self-determined, peer-supported. It can't be a rep if it's not 100% voluntary and if it's not owned by the person. So um, it's not like a it's not like a support plan, a typical support plan. This is really the person's plan and they only share what they want with you. 
And it's built on these five recovery principles that are important, hope, personal responsibility, education, self-advocacy, and support. And they turn out to be very powerful when you start to apply them to your rep. Um, and I think that's the big picture and things I wanted to make sure um, folks knew about rep. And I want you to make sure you get to those links if you wanna learn more and get to those good sources we talked about earlier. And we will have those links available um, on the podcast site when we put this up. So you'll be able to find the Copeland Center right from our uh, resources, so. Stan or Asia, do you have anything you would like to add to what Susan yeah. just told us about a wrap? Yeah, I just wanted to add because I definitely think that um, one of the things I just kind of want to emphasize first is, you know, how Susan mentioned that it's self-directed. So definitely emphasizing that your wrap plan is, is um, specific to you. You know, no wrap plan would be the same. Um, also, you know, that you can do a wrap plan for just about anything. You know, some people may do it because they're in recovery, but some people may want to do a wrap plan, you know, to plan their wedding. You know, hey, if I'm planning my wedding, these are the people that I would like to be by me because they can help calm me down. But these are the people that you might want to keep away from me because they're going to stress <laughs> me out, you know. So, you know, being being very specific about the things that you need and also the things that you don't need. Um, and one of the things I really like about, um, you know, developing the, the, the rap plan is that, again, you know, you don't have to feel bad about the things that, you know, you feel are important to you because when you are in crisis or when you are in need, you know, this is what is going to help you. Yeah, very good point. And everything is very unique. And we actually, family wraps are a great thing too. There's just all sorts yeah. of ways you can do a wrap. It, it can, um, and, and just the tools are very, very powerful. There's always that one person that, you know, during the wedding planning, yeah, no, I, I was, you guys got onto weddings. I have a couple neighbors who are wedding planners and they always look so relaxed. And I think maybe they have a wrap that I'm not aware of. But what uh, is compelling to me is the, the story, as Susan was alluding to, there is a rich history. And when people understand the story of Mar Mary Ellen Copeland, and in particular, her mother, uh, and then that whole community that eventually was shaped through uh, shared experiences. And what they understood was they all had some ways of coping, but they never had a place to really put it in print or uh, make sure that they remember. And that's the whole idea of the rap is you can remember what triggers you. You can remember uh, what makes you feel better. And of course, this idea of your, your best self is important because if you don't know what that looks like, you're going to have a hard time maintaining it. So, um, I, I just, I, there's just nothing that I don't love about it. Um, I love the folks who are involved with the Copeland center, uh, such warm and caring people. And these are people who really are the forgotten folks, the, the folks that without, um, some of these, these, uh, these wellness recovery plans would probably not be able to do what they do. So it's, it's so uh, refreshing to, to be among people who have found uh, some answers, at least for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, Stan, you really reminded me of something that would, would 
hit with, I think, our direct support off audience pretty well, which is, um, you know, direct support work is a pretty lonely job at this point because you're you're often helping people one-on-one -on -one in their community, but you might not have peers of your own to check in with. And um, often I find when I talk to providers of services about RAP or you hear them talking about it, they're so eager to get it to the people receiving services, but I think if they got it to the direct support professionals and the management teams and the organization as a whole and made that organization healthy and well and gave people the tools there, that would be the place to start a lot of times, I think. Right, absolutely. Uh, there's a place here in Sacramento called Crestwood uh, Residential Behavioral Health, I believe. And they go from the top to the bottom. Everybody has a wrap plan there. And I think that is the way to go. Um, because who can do this work without knowing uh, what is going to potentially trigger you or um, how to keep yourself um, healthy. And the power of community and peers. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was just going to, I was going to ask a question about that. Um, I've heard all three of you, uh, Stan, Susan, and Asia talk about community. So um, tell us like why that's so important to have that connection of community. Well, for me, I tell everybody that everybody struggles. Everybody struggles with something. It's just that until you talk about it and find a way to talk about it, um, you feel like you're the only one or, or you, you're, you're embarrassed to divulge it or whatever. And this is what we found in our group is when we started off and, and as a facilitator, uh, facilitators know that you've got to reveal a bit about your own struggles, not every detail, but you've got to reveal something because ultimately um, people need to all, you know, see that, you know, you've, you've had this issue and you found a way to uh, maintain some sort of uh, mental health, e even with that. Um, and then of course you, you bring in rap and, and explain, well, you know, if this happens, this is what I do. Uh, what is in the toolbox? What, what are we going to do if, if something should come up? Um, but the community is, is, is very important because uh, you share a bond after this. Um, for instance, the, the training that we had in Minneapolis uh, was, was exactly that. Uh, we were there for five days. Um, we got a lot of information. And then at the end, people told their stories. And then it was like, oh, wow, okay, I you know, wow, you, you, you experienced all of those things, but here you are um, at your best self. So um, the community is completely critical. Thanks. I really yeah. want to hear from Asia on that one too. I, I, I love what Stan said. Susan's always a facilitator. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, community, the, the importance of community in this work, um, again, I think that the more people know and realize that they're not the only ones going through tough times, you know, again, it kind of helps give them that hope that that it that it's possible to overcome those things. And so being able to have that connection, because it really just comes down to support. You know, when people feel heard, when people feel supported and they feel valued, um, it helps. First of all, it helps an individual but collectively, it helps us as a community move forward. So I think when we when we think about community, you know, what really just comes to mind is just that ability for us to, um, you know, to connect and to connect and support each other. 
Yeah, I would agree. And, and I want to say one thing about community is an interesting word. And um, one of the powerful things about rap is that it, you have to be in community with people you do see as peers for it to work. And uh, so, so DSPs, direct support professionals, you know, um, being with other direct support professionals, there's common experiences they're going to have, there's common things. And that's a really flexible and fluid thing. Like right now, Asia, Stan, and I are all in community together, but there might be places where we'd need to be with a different community to really get the peer support we really need uh, for that particular issue. So what's really cool about RAP is that community kind of ebbs and flows and has different aspects, but it is all about um, shared uplifting of your fellow humans. And, and, and RAP has a real strong values and ethics approach. And, um, and so you, uh, you know, you just unconditional positive regard, you just keep coming back to that. And it just opens your mind to the human experience in a different way. Oh, thanks, Susan. And all three of you, I, I am so grateful for you taking the time to answer that question. I would like to know from each of you, um, Stan, you, you hit on it right away is that it should go from top to bottom. So I'd like to ask each guest, each of you, to share a little bit about your own rap story and what brought you to rap. And let's start this time with Asia. My rap plan um, and, and why rap is so important to me is um, Susan kind of mentioned earlier, you know, um, me personally, I do a lot of community work. And so when you are that person who is always kind of front and center, really helping others to, you know, come up with their wellness plan and their self-care plan, you know, sometimes you tend to put yourself in the backseat. And so for me, you know, when I was introduced to rap, um, it was kind of very refreshing because it was like, okay, wow, you know, it's me actually taking out the time to think about those things that one triggers me, that stresses me out, things that, you know, you probably kind of overlook and just kind of keep moving because you feel like you have to help others. So rap for me gave me an opportunity to really just, you know, tap into my own, you know, wellness and ways that I can, you know, not just be better for myself, but actually be more of an asset to the community uh, that I serve. So, you know, um, it's funny because again, being a poet, you know, I have a poem that's called Alone in a Crowded Room, where it just kind of talks about when you're that person that's, that, that always shows up for everyone else, like who shows up for you. And so for me personally, you know, I've dealt with, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that. So once I was introduced to uh, rap, you know, it really was instrumental in me um, you know, just kind of dealing with some of those uh, deeper inner parts of me um, that I don't typically deal with because I'm really focused and concerned with everyone else. And so I like something that Susan said earlier, too, because it's not just about, you know, developing a rap plan, but you got to work your plan, too. Because if you come up with a plan, but you don't execute it, you know, then it, you can't really understand the, um, the impact that it can have. But being able to, you know, write my, my rap plan and actually work my, my rap plan, I've seen a lot of uh, change in myself personally, as well as the people that I interact with in the community. So, um, you know, rap for me has been very, very rewarding. Stan, do you share, please? Yes. Um, so I think for, for many people, certainly the people that I met in the training class, it seemed like there was maybe one incident or 
a defining moment for them that made them realize that they could use a little more support. And I think for me, it was similar. Um, and I, I felt that, um, you know, the, the work that I do, uh, is, is challenging. Uh, most recently I went back to part-time, um, or I should say I went to part-time for the first time in my life. Uh, I was going to retire. Um, I just, uh, my boss didn't want me to retire. So she just asked me what I wanted and needed. And I let her know. Um, but that was something that I probably would not have been able to do in the past. Um, so what I, what I was experiencing was a challenging work life. Um, just before, well, actually, I think uh, just before I, I did this or after, I should say, um, I became the regional director. So I was in charge of all of our programs throughout the state, including our transportation, our fleet uh, services. And um, it was it was a, it was too much. But what I needed to learn was what is the trigger and how can I get on top of that before I'm <laughs> completely anxious or whatever it is that I'm dealing with. Um, and I I think for me, you know, I had a good store of anger too, and I needed some place for that to go. Um, but ultimately, um, I also wanted to learn rap so I could teach it. And uh, that propelled me to, to do this. Um, I didn't get a lot of support from the agency. Um, certainly, I was uh, paid while I went, but you know everything I paid for myself because I found personal value in it, but also I wanted to be able to teach it no matter what happened. I was gonna teach this stuff to clients um, and staff. Uh, and like you say, you're absolutely right. If we don't take care of our DSPs, it's really hard to take care of our clients. Um, they are in a hot stew, if that's the correct metaphor, every day, uh, whether it be from parents or our funder or, of course, us. Um, they, they get it in, in all places. And often these are folks who don't uh, come with a lot of self-reflection or um, education or, or tools. And um, that, in my opinion, is our job. Let's give that to them. I mean, we, we teach them how to prompt a client. Why can't we teach them how to take care of their mental health? Right. Susan, same question for you. Hey, well, you know me, I've, I've had a long history, my family, myself, a long history of mental health conditions that have been challenging and that can really, um, can really bring us to places that are hard. And um, so I early on in my life became a mental health advocate just on my own time, you know, outside of work and everything. And um, actually working with folks with autism was so, so fun for me because it made me realize like a lot of the, like I, I started to understand that idea, like, oh, the world can be really complicated. It really is hard to figure things out. And it gave me some, you know, uh, freedom to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm different. I'm different from folks, you know, and I've got to, I've got to figure that out. But fast forward many years later, you know, life had happened. I'm in the, I'm in the middle of my middle ages. And I had been talking to people and family members who loved people who had serious mental illness about rap as an option of something to think about to help them um, reclaim their wellness, reclaim their ownership of their life, you know, and, and figure out how they would like to live. And in the middle of doing that, I realized like, I'm really measuring the quality of my life by whether I want to live another day. Now, I wasn't suicidal, but I wasn't 
living. <laughs> you know, I had just, I was just doing. And um, so I thought, well, I can't tell everybody else about rap. I guess I should maybe try it for myself. And um, so I started to get involved in it, taking the seminars, decided I wanted to become a facilitator. And um, it, it just was more powerful than I thought it would be. And, you know, I, it, I was ready for it. So, you know, maybe somebody might attend a rap seminar and not be as moved. But for me, it was really powerful. And um, I met great people and I continue to meet great people through this process. And I learned so much about myself. Something that Stan said that really stuck out with me about, you know, like, um, you know, he wouldn't be able to ask for what he wants if it wasn't for rap. And I think that is really, you know, when we talk about the the value of education is you it's it's education about yourself. It's learning about who you are and what you want and then learning to get that support and, and make those self-advocacy moves that you need to make. And for a lot of us caregivers, that is just not the natural way to be. Um, and there's just a lot of pressure in the world to do what you you need to do for other people. And it breaks my heart to think of Asia ever thinking that she's just in a room and no one's even noticing her because she's a beautiful person and she's doing so much for everybody. So rap like lets you take ownership of that and and get out there and say, you know, yeah, maybe I I should have a little time too. And it does make us better at taking care of others because we're valuing ourselves. Right. I think one of the things you said was, you know, being open to it. Um, and that's really probably one of the first um, first things you need to do. I mean, you might learn about it intellectually, but then to go, oh, this, I can really benefit from doing this um, and opening up that door that it's all right for me to take some time to focus on myself and, and get some help with uh, what things might be triggering or how I might be feeling. Um, yeah, it really it really sends you in a different way. Absolutely, it, it's a it's a mind shift at that point. Mm -hmm. um, Stan, you kind of started this, um, so maybe I'll have you answer this question first. Um, are there ways that you have? We, we would check. Yeah, I had one more follow up from uh, that stuff okay. from the last question that I'd like to hit on, sure. and you know we talk about that. You talked about how important it is to talk about the positives. And I would love to have each of you quickly share, are there things that you can do now that you couldn't do before you started doing rap? Um, are there you know, attributes that you've developed because of your own rap? I would just say that um, one of the benefits I've experienced uh, working my rap is putting myself first. Because again, as much as I love serving and doing for everyone else, you know, I definitely have learned the importance of, you know, taking care of myself and my mental well-being and my physical well-being so that I could be a better asset to others. Okay. Yeah, and I think mine is, it's it's kind of similar to Asia. The way it played out for me was I, I actually learned some self-management skills. And I know that sounds really funny to people who know me because I seem like I'm on the ball and I got everything going on, right, as far as, as, far as work or whatever. But when it, when it came to taking care of myself and, and kind of running through my own day, um, there was never, I, I didn't, I didn't assert the needs for, you know, some basic routines or shifts in routines that, you know, what are the things that are going to feed me, keep me going, keep me well. And I'm still working on that, but I have, um, 
I have such a better mastery of that. And then that helps me understand um, what's the next thing for me. It's helping me grow even more, even though I'm in the, you know, middle, middle ages here, you know, I'm, um, I'm still growing because I learned a lot about managing myself. And, and if you have a trigger, guess what? It's your responsibility to figure out what you're going to do about that. And there's something you can do about it, you know? And I, I don't think I always thought that way. Right. And Stan, did you have anything that you wanted to add on that question where it's about, you know, are there things you can do now that you couldn't do before? I think for me, it wasn't so much that I'm doing something completely different, but I do feel that what I do, I understand why I do it and I I value it more. For instance, uh, it's important for me to be mindful, I mean, to be present, uh, to be in the room uh, versus uh, some other way of being. Um, for instance, I don't own a cell phone and I think people find that ridiculous, but um, you know, I know myself, I'll become addicted to that thing. I'll be on it all the time. Um, and the other part is like, uh, uh, Susan and Asia have said, um, taking care of yourself, um, and, and feeling good about that. And, and that's, that is a problem with most caregivers. They want to apologize for taking care of their own needs. And I just have to say, I just got back from Tunisia and it was not easy to go away for three weeks. Um, I do this every year. It is in my plan. Uh, vacation's hugely important. Uh, and um, I was able to do that and keep my partner fairly happy <laughs> while I was away. So I, I feel pretty good about that. And I love what Stan calls vacation. I would call like the biggest adventure of my life. The guy goes everywhere. <laughs> Stan, good on you for being able to make that happen. It's not easy. I mean, just quickly, um, I sat through it, uh, or I, I signed up for and, and, and took kind of a real basic rap primer um, probably about a month ago. And let's, let's just say I walked away as a member because, you know, before it was even done, I had already signed up and paid dues because there was so much there that made me just think, this is really cool. And I wanted the access that that gave me. So, And that was through Copeland Center. That was through Copeland Center, right. Mm -hmm. so. Stan, you opened this door up a little bit ago when you talked about um, you wanted to be able to do a wrap for others, uh, facilitate that. So the question is for all of you, and we'll have you kind of start, Stan, um, is what are ways that you have used or facilitated uh, RAP um, other than for your own personal RAP? Well, of course, um, I've promoted it. Uh, I, I promote it all over the place. I've bought many of the books that uh, come out of the Copeland Center. Uh, I just distribute them widely. Um, I tell people constantly that, um, RAP is available. I tell them how they can use it. Um, and I, I mean, even last night I was talking with my brother who was lamenting that he can't find a way to go on vacation. And I tell them, I, you know, I didn't go into it with him, but I've certainly done this with my staff. I say, there is, you can write a plan to go on vacation. Don't wait till the last minute, but start. And I step them through it. Um, because of course, what I tell them is you can live your vacation all year long. And that's what I do. I not only, you know, go on vacation, but then I write, I do photography and all these kinds of things, but it's about 
what you need in the long run as well. A wrap isn't something that you write for every little uh, agree grievance that you have while driving down the road. It's about stuff that is consistently troubling for you, these consistent triggers, I should say. And when you write a plan, um, you need to put in the plan what keeps you at your best. And for me, I have to look forward to something. Um, and if I don't have a vacation to look forward to or getting out of town, I am not going to be my best. Um, but I, I use it at work. I use it. I use it everywhere. And being mindful is, is top of mind for me. Um, I don't allow myself to get dragged into things or be overly concerned with stuff that I don't have any control over. Um, and most of the time, it's just being in the room. Even last night, I had a friend over for dinner. My partner's on the phone. I was sitting there by myself with my guest and I'm like, who's, who's, what's so important about being on the phone? But people get into those habits. Thank you. Asia? We facilitated these rap plans in so many different types of groups. And um, the, the group that I'm particularly, um, you know, passionate about is, is the youth, um, specifically unhoused youth. So, um, and um, at juvenile detention centers. So one of the things that I've, you know, kind of found to be very, very like um, rewarding is, you know, kids who are in transition or kids who are, you know, in, you know, situations that they've, you know, found themselves in a bit of trouble, you know, but being able to develop these rap plans, I've, saw, I've seen how, you know, it's given them hope, you know, and it's, it's made them feel supported to actually get out here and make a change um, and, you know, because I feel like it's a different approach to what they're used to and, and they can actually see it. And I actually have seen them not only come up with these rap plans, but actually use them. So that's cool. Very cool. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, that was that was really awesome, Asia. That's exactly what I was hoping to hear about when, when and this is why I love, you know, getting together with folks because you hear about all sorts of exciting things going on. Um, for me, like when I facilitate, you know, I had this experience with Stan. I don't get to facilitate as much as I'd like. I would love to be facilitating more, but I've I've had trouble finding the the right partner niche here in Minneapolis sometimes. But um, but I, I have facilitated groups of caregivers, and I think caregivers are my niche uh, in a lot of ways. It's probably where I most intuitively go, um, being a lifelong caregiver and a professional caregiver over my life. One of the things you do in a wrap is you define for yourself what you look like when you're well. It's and, and it's kind of a powerful thing. The first time I did it, I wanted to cry because I had no idea what I looked like when I was well at that point. And so uh, it was really helpful. But it's really that, you know, it's, so you can do that with an organization. You can do that with an individual. It, it, it applies in so many ways. What does our organization look like when it's well? You know, what would be happening? It's really tangible. And um, I, I find talking to people sometimes and helping them use that as a way to frame up what they're going for. Cause a lot of times we don't even know what we're going for. We just know we're dissatisfied with something we have. And um, then the other thing is the wellness toolkit is something you learn really early on too. And you start to look at, well, what, what tools do you already have that help you um, be well right now? And they can be very simple, but we did a little training where we had to use just objects that they gave us to, um, and, and, and figure out how we would use them as a wellness tool. And we had like a water bottle and I was like, well, you know, when I'm really agitated and feeling worked up, drinking an ice cold glass of water 
like gets me back into my body and kind of brings me and you know and so we were just laughing like our tagline was like wellness can be as simple as a glass of water you know so it's like what tools do you have and how do you keep expanding those tools what tools might you be missing and how can you start to fill that toolkit so you have more options to pull from when you are feeling like things are getting a little out of control for you Thank you so much, Susan. I, I, and I love that. It can be as easy as a cold glass of water. <laughs> and for me, right in my arms, I've got my cat. That's one of those things for me that's a yes. wellness thing. So <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, the next question is, what's important about rap for you? What, it, what appeals to it, to you about it personally? Well, anyone can go. I'm going to just, you guys pick who goes first. Well, you know, mine is actually kind of silly because, you know, again, I'm a poet and I'm also a rapper. And so when I think of rap, you know, it, yeah. it automatically, I, my mind associates it with like rap. But I think on a, on a whole nother level is the fact of just how, how simple it is. You know, it, it seems like it's a lot, but really, you know, once you kind of get into it, it's really, it's, it's about you. You know, yeah. so when you think about just how, um, again, how individualized it is um, and how it's your plan. I just I just like the simplicity, simplicity of it. And I definitely agree with that. Uh, I have kind of the same triggers uh, generally over and over. So um, I've learned how to deal with those. And for me, it just keeps it keeps pushing me uh, whenever I doubt that I need to do something. I say to myself, well, that's in my plan. You know, that that's what I need to do now because I know this is this is important. This is what's going to help me. Uh, and I think, for instance, uh, this vacation, uh, my partner was not particularly happy I was going. And um, this is basically a trigger for him. You know, he's got to stay home, take care of the dogs, la, la, la. And I don't go for just a day or two. I'm gone for pretty much a month. So it's challenging for him. And um, I had to uh, work through that, not giving up, but um, ultimately he he was okay with it. Um, I mean, this is something I do every year, so it's not new, but it's always a stressor for him. But if, if I were not involved with rap, I might just say, okay, well, forget it, I won't go. But no, I mean, I, I know I need that. And I think that's what rap does for people if they believe in it and work it, they know what works for them. They, they know what they have to do to keep themselves at their best. It's just that constant reminder. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me, one of the things that I, I find really, now people do rap really differently. So like some people are really dedicated. Like I look at my rap every day. I think about my rap regularly. I update it regularly. I'm going to admit I am a sporadic rapper and I, um, I, I tend to like go deep on it for like maybe take a, a Saturday or something and really be thinking about it. And is it in tune with where I am now and what, what needs to change now? And there's, you know, we haven't talked about all the pieces of it, but there's a lot of different pieces of it that can help keep you in, even though it's simple, there's things to think about. And um, so what I love is just the intentionality about it. Like I have to assertively take care of myself and rap helps me do that in a way that just feels so much more organized and gives and yields the best results for that effort. Because if you just periodically assert your wellness here and there, it, it's never gonna be quite as effective as having this whole vision and, and all of the pieces that help you get there and stay there. 
Asia, could you help Susan write a rap about being a sporadic rapper? <laughs> yes, yes. We'll touch yes. base. <laughs> I think that could be a really fun piece. You might not have much luck with that, Asia. <laughs> but anyway, that just, you know, but what I'm hearing a lot is some of the tenants that you talked about earlier, Susan, where it talks about, you know, the key points. All of you have talked about the hope, the personal responsibility, the education and you know being active in that part of it, um, the self advocacy stand really came out in yours as you're talking about you know your partner it's not his favorite thing but it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't know what I can do to make it better for you but I know I have to do this so you're advocating for your own own needs and I think that that's really powerful and I'm 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 happy to hear those things are are a part of what you're getting out of it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Um, the next question, and we'll start with Susan this time and uh, move to Asia and then Stan. Um, what's, if anything, what surprised you when you first, you know, did your first rap um, or early on during rap? What's something that surprised you? And then what's something that still kind of surprises you today? So I think the two things that really surprised me when I first did rap one was I didn't know what I looked like when I was well, which we just talked about. I like I I was just it really made me realize like I really need to take care of myself because I've just lost touch with who I am at such a deep level. Um, and and then that was so that was when I did my personal rep. When we did the facilitation training, I mean they were like it is nothing but unconditional positive regard. We are not talking about what's not working. We are only talking about what's working. We are only focusing on what's working. We're going to take care of ourselves. And they did it so rigorously. And I found that to be like uh, really transformative to me. And it, and it just has changed how I facilitate every process I'm, I'm in because it just opens the door to self-respect and respect for others and listening and, and other ways of, of being with people that are really human. Um, so those things were really surprising to me. And, and I went to that same um, rap orientation, I think that Mark did, it was a Zoom that Copeland Center did a, a few weeks ago. And every time I listen to folks who have raps, I learn something and I learn something new um, that, that matters. And I'm always just so surprised at like how much more I can learn and how many wonderful and cool things are going on out there. That's great, Susan. And having um, known you for a long time and worked for, with you for the last five years, I, I see you um, emulating that positive regard throughout, throughout your day. So um, yeah, it's something that sticks with you. You want to bring to everything, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Asia. Yeah, I think that one of the things that surprises me about rap, I, I know we, when you facilitate rap, we talk about how you can use rap for pretty much any and everything. But I think that when you actually uh, develop a rap plan for something that doesn't seem so typical and it does actually work, like for me personally, you know, uh, one of the jobs that I do, like last year, you know, I came up with a rap plan to, you know, to deal with some of my coworkers, you know, you know, and, you know, it was, it, it was funny because I'm like, wow, you know, it's something that's at your disposal to do. But again, when you actually put it together and you can actually work it and see how it is beneficial to you. So that surprised me that it really can work in different capacities if you, if you choose to. Um, and I think that what continues to surprise me about rap 
Um, it's kind of something that Susan mentioned as well, as far as like how we all can kind of like do it differently, um, execute it differently, but how it still, it still works. You know, even though, you know, when you think about facilitating, you know, Susan and I might facilitate it very differently, you know, but it's the same information and whoever you're sharing that information with, they're going to take it. And because it is individualized, they're going to be able to create their own plans and still work it and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I um, I heard you say is, and, and have, have really learned uh, from this is, um, I haven't done a route myself and I always envision that it's kind of a one and done, but it's not a one and done. Um, it's something you continue to work as different issues or things come up in your life. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's another important thing about rap. Um, like, let's just say, for instance, that you create a rap plan for, you know, something specific, like, um, again, like, you know, dealing with someone at work. Well, every once in a while, you might want to revisit that rap plan because it might change. Things might change. So it's okay to do another rap plan, you know, revisit it because what worked for you last year, you know, might not be the same thing that'll work for you this year. So reworking that rap as well. Yeah, and, and you said it earlier, not only reworking rap, but working your rap. So even though I don't get my rap out every day, everything I've set into that rap is affecting how I'm going about my day. Um, and and you just gotta keep carrying it, you know, it's like it keeps it, but but because it's there and it's clear, it's not that hard. How about you, Stan? I think for me, uh, among many surprising things, uh, was uh, sort of what Susan was saying about um, the absence of negativity, I mean, this unconditional positive regard. Um, and I think what what I enjoyed the most, and when I first wrote a rap, it, it was an online class. And, you know, I I hadn't heard people speak about their mental health challenges in such a way before. Um, and it was kind of just matter of fact, this is, this is what happens. This is how I, I deal with it and that kind of thing. Um, and of course at the training to be a facilitator, it was similar. Some of these folks had, had, uh, some, some pretty challenging episodes in their past. And of course, um, they, they, they work daily to overcome those, but, um, I, I found that to be kind of surprising how people spoke about their challenges. You know, once you're able to to speak about, you know, what your your own triggers are or whatever, um, it becomes much less scary, and and people don't often know that until they start talking to people. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Just kind of want to ask you all to help me bring this back to the po- folks that are um, providing direct support and our caregivers in, in, in across the board. I mean, we, we're talking to mostly folks that provide supports to people with IDD or a related condition, yet there are so many different places where caregivers need to hear how something like RAP or the tenants of RAP can help them to take care of themselves. So do any of you have at least one final thought on how to make that connection? I'll let Susan start because she's worked in, in our particular field and probably would have the most knowledge base there, but then each of you has probably got something that translates well. So Susan, if you'd be first and then, well, then Stan and then Asia. 
I think one thing is, you know, I was really appreciating what Asia brought forth with the youth and, you know, the, their homeless, they're really facing real, real ch challenges, you know, and the fact that rap can still work under very extreme conditions and it comes out of, it's rooted in that and it comes out of that. And so I wouldn't want people to think um, that that's just something you do if you have the time to think about yourself, like, mm -hmm. It, it really is a powerful and transformative tool. Cause I think, you know, when you're a direct support professional, you know, you are really busy and you also have probably a second job and you might have kids and you might have all sorts of stressors. Your car's not working, you're, you know, and um, I mean, I remember I didn't have a car for a year because I couldn't afford it. Cause that's what the wages were at the time, you know? And, and um, so I think just knowing that um, it's a powerful tool uh, regardless of your circumstances, but you do need to be with peers. You need to be with people who understand your challenges, at least at some level that is, is enriching to you because, um, it, you know, it, it is about how do, how, how do we work together and the facilitators, you know, need to be, need to also have lived experiences that mean something to you. So I think that's really important, um, with rap, but for DSPs, there's a lot you can get out of it. It could really help. And so Stan, I was going to have you go next. Okay. So yeah, um, what, what I would tell folks is, you know, th there are so many things. I mean, everybody is going to be different. It's different for each person, of course. But um, if you can find what works for you to be your best self and uh, try to be consistent with that, you know, this is what I tell my staff all the time. Uh, we're not going to change the world, but we can s consistently do good things uh, and be mindful about those things. Uh, for instance, uh, the very physical part of what we have to do to get through the day is critical. Eating well and, and you know, hydrating and, and things of that nature go a long way to preserving our mental health. And people forget that. Um, and I tell them, you know, you can't. These, these are things you got to do every single day. They, they add up over time. And I think having things to look forward to, whether it be something small like going to a movie or something big like going on vacation, you have to have something to keep the light coming in. And um, rap is is just one of many ways, but rap can be used in so with so many different things. Um, I, I wish everybody had a rap because, frankly, I think everybody needs it. Thank you, and Asia. I like that. I think everybody needs a rap. <laughs> All right, everybody. so give us a, a rap now. Um, <laughs> no, Asia, actually, I would like to, you know, you, continue, continue. You had more to add. <laughs> well, um, so no, I really, really like what he said that um, everybody needs a rap. I think to me, one of the things that just stands out the most about, you know, having a rap plan is the self-advocacy part of it. You know, um, being able to advocate for yourself is you know it's, it's extremely important and as we grow and as we evolve again you know um one of the things on a personal level that i've been experiencing uh, over the past year is a lot of loss um i've lost um five family members in my immediate family um within this past year and so my life is not the same <laughs> and so i think that having rap is or even first of all knowing about rap first you know, knowing about it, uh, but then being able to kind of come back around and being in a space to use it uh, helps me. And if I didn't know about rap, 
And if I didn't know about certain things like, you know, a self-care plan, um, I'm not sure what I would have done dealing with and processing grief. So to mm-hmm. me, I can say rap saved my life. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to follow that. But here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, Asia, since you are involved with the poetry project and being an artist myself, I love that concept. And how would people access, give you a chance for a shameless plug here, how would they access some of the poetry work that you are doing and that that you are doing with your community? Um, Well, I am on YouTube. Um, I know that Poetry for Personal Power has a website. I'm not exactly sure if they have, you know, links to the artists, because we call ourselves artist advocates. So um, I'm not sure if they have links to everyone's website or anything like that. But, um, you know, if I think if you kind of go on Google or go on YouTube and type in my name, Aja, A-J-A, Lestar, um, a lot of different things will pop up from just over the years of me sharing uh, poetry and art. Wonderful. I, I just I just wanted to give you that that entree and to get to our audience with uh, with what you're doing, because I think that that could inspire. And the fact that, that I'm sure some of it has got some rap wrapped into it, <laughs> you, you probably are, you know, are going to be helping people. But what I'm hearing, and, and I'm just going to do a little quick sum up of, of, of the, again, the, the main tenets of rap that I think were covered really well. But whether you go and you find rap folks and decide that you want to, embrace rap itself or not. I think these tenants are things that you could explore even individually or on your own, regardless of if it's through rap. And that's find hope in your life. Take personal responsibility. Education, seek education, seek knowledge, seek learning, and and be active about that. Um, be a self-advocate. Take care of yourself, as, as, as some of our guests have talked about, how they've been able to, you know, take over control of some things that they in the past may have just let someone else kind of guide them on. And then finally, support your community. Support people that you know need support and support others who maybe they aren't showing that they need support. Someone like Susan, who looks like she's got it all together, may be inside is, is, is needing a little support now and again. So always make sure that you're offering that little bit of support. On that note, I'm going to say thank you to Asia. Thank you to Stan. Thank you to Susan for being our guests. Thank you, Chet, for being an amazing co-host. And thank you for joining us. Tune in for future episodes about taking care of our physical and mental health. Episodes are available on your favorite podcast streaming service. This is a podcast developed by the University of Minnesota's Institute on Community Integration. Wellness Matters for Direct Support is for the health, wellness, and self-care for direct support workers.